and welcome back to another episode of the Scranton Talks podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Desiree, and if you've just discovered the Scranton Talks podcast and you're wondering what it is, it's for anyone who's an aspiring filmmaker, anyone who loves film, or if you're new to filmmaking, all the above. Um, this podcast is for you. It's full of inspirational, informative, and fun talks with filmmakers about their projects and their journeys. Scranton Talks is part of the independent film creative hub, which is based in Scranton, Pennsylvania, with your other host, my good friend, Luz Cabrales, and myself. We founded the independent film creative hub to help local artists in our community to be better and to help those outside of the area. So this episode of Scranton Talks, we got to talk with my great friend, Bridget LaMonica, back in October. And I was so excited to finally get her down for an interview with all the stuff that she's been doing in the industry. Just a little bit of background on Bridget. She is a cinematographer originally from Hamlin, Pennsylvania. Bridget attended East Stroudsburg University for media communication. And when her student loans simply weren't high enough, she went for her MFA in film and television at the Savannah College of Art and Design. Bridget spent a couple years as a newspaper reporter after grad school and then devoted herself to filmmaking full-time and moved to Atlanta. Bridget has operated camera, Steadicam, on a wide range of projects. And I know Bridget personally because I first met her on my very first uh, film set back in 2015 for a local film that was a sci-fi independent film called Solosium, where Bridget was the first AD for that and I was the script supervisor for that on that set and that's where I met Bridget and a lot of our other friends and we've been great friends ever since and we've gotten to work on other projects together we worked on our own short film together called The Other Half a couple years ago for a film challenge and we recently were working together with our great friend Lindsay Burries on the World Less Traveled which Bridget wrote and Lindsay directed that was a short horror film that we filmed around here and it did a really great festival run and it's just a wonderful horror film so i hope you enjoy this episode of scranton talks here we are bridget la monica thank you so much for being here i mean we are really really excited to be uh, you know talking to you and learning a little bit more about what you know what you do uh so we'll get started <laughs> okay that, that was an awesome demo reel bridget you've done so much amazing work and i've had the pleasure of working alongside you on some film projects that were here locally um, including one that's on the first time, i remember the first time we met we met on Celestia. <laughs> oh my gosh i keep getting those facebook memories from Celestia. what was it like eight years ago oh my, it's a, 2015 <laughs> it feels like it was yesterday but also forever ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with that, it's, um, you are originally from Northeast Pennsylvania, so how did you get started into filmmaking, and what was your journey like? Like, what brought you to filmmaking? And if you want to touch on, like, maybe why you decided at some point to leave Pennsylvania and go into Atlanta. Yeah. Um, well, I've always wanted to tell stories. I was always, like, writing stories as a kid and, and, and like, acting things out and stuff, but I, I figured out pretty quickly that I was not an actor, was not a singer, um, any of that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I actually credit, this is really dorky, I credit DVD special features for making me realize in, like, at a young age that 
oh, there's jobs behind the camera. You can make these things. And that's where I started to get inspired. And I started to make like really crappy short films with my little little handy cam running around high school. Like, oh, I want to film you. Okay, let's do this. We're going to make a spy movie. We never did. Um, <laughs> and that's just kind of how it went. And I went to ESU um, with the plan of, you know, I'm going to be a filmmaker. Didn't quite know what that meant yet. So did my undergrad, started working on some indie stuff around Scranton. Um, there was a couple of features that came into the area. There was one called the Paragon Cortex. A lot of us in the area had worked on it in some capacity. Um, you know, I, I decided to go to grad school and specialize more and uh, get more debt. <laughs> and at That's that point, all right. <laughs> I, was, I was narrowing my focus more and more, camera department specifically, and, and knew what I wanted to do. Um, and did you want me to get into the, the reason that I had moved away from the area? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's a good thing to talk about. I'm still very, very proud of the area that I came from and I, I still visit my, my dad's still currently up there. I still have some friends, um, up in the area, but, um, I, I kind of figured out quickly that if I wanted to do this full time, there just wasn't enough going on. Right. Um, you know, Desiree and I had a mutual friend in Scranton who had her own co production company, but like. There, there can only be so many fish in that pond, you know. Um, I worked on everything I could within a hundred mile radius, and then I said, "Wow, this mileage stinks. Let me go somewhere else." Right. Um, and Atlanta was really booming at the time, and I liked the climate, I liked the attitude of the people, and it was getting bigger and bigger, and it just seemed like the right move for me. No, and, and that's really exciting, you know, just to hear that uh, because yes, uh, we have to know what we lack where we are in order to maybe go somewhere and make it better and you never know when you're going to come back and bring those skills back to the area uh right oh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> so, so, let, so let's um let's go back to just a little bit to esu and when you started right as a filmmaker so you said you know i i knew i wanted to be a filmmaker but i didn't know what i wanted to do right mm -hmm. uh, talk to us a little bit about that uh, just in the sense of um i think we have a lot of filmmakers right now that are doing everything right but they mm -hmm. they're not necessarily good at everything because they're good at one or two things that they could maybe craft it you know and do a lot better so maybe how do you um go about like what was your process on like you know once you got to school and you said oh like this is what i want to do like doing the camera work if if, if, if you can share that with us I actually think you touched on it. Uh, like you said, a lot of people when they're starting out, they, they're doing everything. Um, and that's my first projects in school was I didn't realize that I could literally get a crew of people around me. I'm like, oh, well, everybody else is busy. Maybe I'll just do everything. So my my senior project, I directed, shot it, edited sound, found the music for it. And as I ticked each thing off the list, I realized, oh, I don't like that. Ooh, I, I can rage edit. I don't like sitting at the computer and editing. Um, and I, I kind of whittled it down to the point where I'm like, oh, I just like shooting it. Okay. Um, that, there's my focus. There it is. I, I should have found somebody to direct it for me. I was, you know, wearing too many hats. I was pulled in too many directions. And once I started specializing, then I really kind of started to find my stride. Oh, yeah. No, that's really, that's really good. Like, however, how students want to start out with filmmaking, it's like you want to, work on like voluntarily on projects possibly and working on many different areas of the department so you can kind of figure out what you're really into and what you're good at mm -hmm. um, i mean with 
I mean, sometimes if you do a boom, like I, I had experience once on a short film where I was the boom operator and mixing sound. I'm like, never again. <laughs> like me too. <laughs> like, I, no, once. like sounds very important <laughs> on a film, but I was like, nope, not mixing sound. <laughs> I do. I will say that I think it's very valuable for someone starting out to try to, a bunch of different positions and volunteer in different ways and, and maybe make a movie by yourself or with a couple of friends and figure that out because then you have a lot of respect for the people who do those crafts specifically. I have a lot of respect for graphic designers because I don't have the, you know, the patience to sit there at the computer. And I have a lot of respect for sound people because they can just listen and be like, nope, that's not good. We have to do it again. <laughs> Right, right. And and so when you are doing camera work, now jumping into that, right? Uh, you said, this is this is what I love. Now I know. And now going back to you got your master's and now you're doing it in a professional way and also independent with short films. Uh, maybe if you can touch a little bit about that, like the major differences between doing it for a major studio or, you know, semi-major studio and, and someone who's doing something more independent. Um, I guess more on the creative aspect and the freedom that you get. Okay, good. I'm glad you narrowed that down for me because I could get really <laughs> lost in the weeds on that topic. Um, so creatively, um, when you're making your own project, when it's independent, scrappy little film that you and your friends are working on, you and your production team, you have a lot more control over the finished product. Um, you know, you're making the decisions on casting and how you're going to shoot it and people are going to maybe volunteer and help you out. Um, and you have a say in the final product, uh, in the studio world, you know, the, the Warner brothers of the world and all them, um, your script is going to get rewritten by many people. Um, there's going to be a producer down the line who's like, mm, I want a giant mechanical spider. And for some reason you have to put it in because it's in your contract now. So you lose a little bit of that, but you've got more eyes on your work. So <laughs> you're, you're getting paid more. Um, there's, there's some, you know, there's some pluses and minuses on both. Like in the independent world, there's a lot more heart and soul because that's your baby. You guys have put it together yourselves, but you got no money. So you got to find a way to do it. In the other sense, you might have some more money, but what are you sacrificing for that? Um, and there's plenty of examples I could give, but like I said, I can get lost in the weeds on this topic. No, no, and, and that's okay because it is important. It is important just to know because I think, you know, and everybody's in a different phase of their career mm -hmm. or maybe they they haven't even started you know their career and they're thinking of maybe moving out maybe mo going to new york you know california mm -hmm. atlanta and trying it out and but i do see that maybe a lot of people go there and then they get hit in the face like oh my goodness i didn't know it was going to be like that because yeah. i was so used to the independent world um so it's just really good how you can touch on that and know and, and get someone that's been you know that's in the industry doing that um for it i know that's where i wanted to talk to you a little bit more about like your experience in atlanta and maybe you can tell us more about that sure but but that's where i can word it out better go ahead <laughs> i know you had a go I ahead. Know, with, just uh, this. with back with like being into, with independent films versus like the studio world i mean we're it's 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 wonderful to be in like you are with the full-time filmmaking and being on the bigger productions but kind of throwing back the veil of the mystique of it. I mean, there's long hours, you're dealing with a lot of time constraints and things like that. And I think if you want to touch on, I mean, a lot of stuff in the news about IOTSI with oh, yeah. strike and that if you want to touch on your feelings about that I'm, and your viewpoints about that's a really big thing. I think they just diverted the strike, but you know, 
it's they still have to work out some sort of compromise from what I heard. Uh, yeah, it was the beginning of the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's like, um, a two-parter. <laughs> no, what your feelings are with IOTS. Um, um, that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, um, I'll just be straightforward. I'm currently non-union. I've got many people in my ear telling me to be union. I will eventually. It's an expensive choice to make. There's right. very hefty dues and stuff. But currently, I'm non-union. So I'm looking at it from that perspective. But a lot of people that I work with and a lot of people that I know personally are in the union. Um, and I've been getting their their firsthand feedback. Um, so I see the in an international alliance of theater and something TV. It's a really long name. The film people, the the, the union, um, finally decided. You know what? These hours are terrible. Like this has been going for too long. You know, a typical uh, set day should be around twelve hours, which already is long for the average person. Um, and then you need a certain amount of time to be able to go home, get some sleep, come on back and do it again. Right. But now, like, there's a huge backlog with uh, productions because of COVID, which shut down the industry for a good eight months to a year. So they've got to hurry up and shoot, hurry up and shoot. Let's go. Like, there's that mentality on a lot of projects that got back pushed, you know, like backlogged. So these sets, I'm hearing people going 14 hours, 16 hours. We did a 20 hour day. We did it. And then they're not getting enough time to go home and sleep and come back. They're running into problems with, you know, extras testing positive for COVID. Um, you know, production is getting shut down because the crew caught COVID. Um, I heard that on, a, on a one or two productions for sure. Um, most of them try to play it very safe, but still. There's, there's a lot of stress right now, not just because of COVID, but because, you know, there's a lot of push from the studios and from from the producers, from AMTP, whatever. Um, they don't seem to understand the on-the-ground workers who are actually doing the jobs. So, yeah, they, they authorized, they got like a 98% yes vote to authorize a strike if there wasn't a deal breached by yesterday. Um, so the strike was averted, but... I got to be honest, a lot of people in the union right now are not happy because they're like, really, that's all we got? Because all they got was 10 hours of turnaround. Now, turnaround is the time between when you end your day and when you begin the next day. 10 hours is not enough because you might be driving an hour or two home. Maybe you get some sleep. There's no life. You don't, if you have kids, you don't get to see your kids really. And then you got to do it again the next day. And it might still be like 14, 16 hour days of work. Um, that was one of the many things now, but they did advocate for, uh, lower, lower level, like PAs and stuff like that to get higher, like living wages, which is wonderful. It was about time. Um, so yeah, it's a complicated issue right now. I think they're still very much in talks. Um, I know a lot of people are, are, uh, not, not happy. Um, not a hundred percent, like basically that's all we got mentality is going on. So We'll see where it goes from here. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, just to educate some uh, filmmakers out there, or someone who's just starting out in the you know in the industry, uh, we're we're so used to the independent films, which are non-union. You know, mm-hmm. most of them, not all, but I mean, the just a big difference between a non non-union and union is that you know you have to abide by rules in the union, and it's like a nine-to-five job, sort of. You know, what I mean, you don't have you have more uh, benefits and you have more, um, you're protected, you know, because uh, in an independent film, you can, you know, you have a passion project and just be doing it because you love it. But maybe yeah. 
you know, for that. So, but that's really good. And it kind of brings me to the next question. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll get a little bit out of that. Uh, but just more in, as a camera operator, a DP, uh, which is a director of photography, um, you sometimes have to make quick creative choices, right? So what are your major constraints um, when the director wants one vision and you as, you know, a creative artist want another? And can you, can you differentiate, like, as far as, like, what's the difference between that or do you pick your battles? Like, how do you do that? Oh. <laughs> oh, good terminology. I love it. Uh, yeah, picking your battles. That's a good one. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you have to be able to collaborate with people. This is a team effort. Everyone's got pieces that are coming into play. It's not just uh, the, the DP, the camera person making the decisions. It's the director. It's a writer somewhere. It's the hair and makeup person. It's production design. So, like, everybody's coming together. But, yeah, as far as working with the director, There's been times when the director will walk over to you and be like, so I see it actually coming from this direction. And you're like, oh, well, I just set up the lights over there. That's going to be another hour setup. As you can see, we have all this set up already. But okay, um, <laughs> depending on how much clout the director has, right. depends on how much you can argue. Um, and I don't mean argue in an effect of being like, mean uh, you know you always try to be like very um diplomatic um you, you, yeah but like you know in my position you know operating the cameras you know being the director of photography i have certain expertise that the director may not they might not have some practical knowledge where you know i'll explain well the sun is coming up over there that's not going to work that's going to blow out your shot that's going to you know you wanted it like this it has to be like this you know I often bring up practical concerns like that. Um, sometimes there's safety concerns and I'll, you know, have to put the brakes on because of that. But yeah, you just have to work together. Um, even just this past weekend, I was shorting, shooting a short film and there was a couple times when the director or somebody else would be like, um, so we're going to be shooting in a different house than the one you originally saw. Um, everything is a completely different layout. Uh, the room is now this small. <laughs> so I had to go into the location, walk through it with my gaffer, who is the chief lighting technician. And we just hashed it out like, okay, well, I originally saw it coming from that direction. Now I've got to flip the screen. Okay, we're going to go over here instead. How can we shoot this? We've got mirrors. Let's not see that. We don't want to see random reflections. So we have to do some problem solving. And being able to do that on the fly is a very valuable, um, very valuable piece of experience and you build that through experience you don't just have it like you know it from trial and error on many many short films that may have been really ugly <laughs> <laughs> right right and you don't necessarily always have to like the short film that you're working on i'm assuming but you know sometimes it's work and sometimes you have more of the creative right Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, when it comes to projects that I DP, I am very, very picky. Um, I've gotten to a point, at least in the past couple of years, where I'm like, okay, well, if my name's on it, and I'm putting it on my reel, I'm going to be proud of it. I'm going to be able to explain what this movie is, what, what we're doing here. Um, I've said no to a number of scripts in the past year or two. Um, so when someone reaches out to me and be like, oh, I want you to DP my short, even if they say they have a budget or whatever, I say, first thing, I have to see the script and I will right. approve it or not approve it. Um, and there's been times when I've said, hey, uh, this isn't right for me at this point. If you decide to make a second draft and address my issues, cool, we'll discuss then. And usually they ghost me at that point because they're very fragile. <laughs> <laughs> right, 
right, right. Or, or maybe they, uh, you know, um, I'm sure you get some that say, oh, maybe I didn't see that point of view. Yeah, you know, honestly, I've had some people who are very receptive to that and like, oh my gosh, thank you for being honest. Like, can we collaborate together on this? And then I think we'd make a better uh, project as a whole because, you know, I can give them my experience. They can, they can come back and we can find a happy medium. Um, but yeah, as DP, I want to be proud of what I'm shooting. Um, as cam op, like when I'm just operating the camera, I'm not making more of the creative decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm less picky, um, but there's still certain things that, you know, I won't shoot, which we don't need to name. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's, and that's yeah, okay. Do you um, want to maybe briefly, for those who may not understand the difference between a camera operator and a director of photography, because they're kind of in the same mm -hmm. department, but some people may be kind of fuzzy on the differentiation. Yeah, good good pointing that out. Um, yeah, they're both in the camera department. Um, the director of photography is essentially the boss. That's the person who's making the creative decisions, is working hand-in-hand -hand with the director, hand-in-hand -hand with the gaffer, who's the lighting technician, and they're creating the look of the film together. Um, the DP then goes down to camera operator, who is just literally the person operating the camera. They may have some creative input, they might have some ideas and bounce with the with the DP, but the DP is essentially the boss. They have the final say on everything, um, and I think I think that's the main difference. That and the paycheck. And the paycheck, yes, that that's that's definitely the uh, the key, right? Um, I mean, no, and I think you touched on a lot of good subjects. I mean, just just for anyone, even someone with with a lot of experience that may be watching this, uh, you know, maybe you want to collaborate. It's all a group effort, right? And uh, yeah. if the light is not right your shot may not be, you know, good. Uh, so you do mm -hmm. have to uh, work together. And even sometimes when you're, you have to see so, somebody else's vision because at the end of the day, you know, that's, uh, that also matters, right, uh, for mm -hmm. it. So, no, and I mean, this is great. Um, let me see. I know that's right. We were checking for questions because we have a couple. That way yeah, we don't, have um, <laughs> um, you have one and then uh, I have another one on, on my side. So go right ahead. So this question, Bridget, is, is there a difference culturally and artistically between the Northeast versus the South when it comes to filmmaking? I think they're kind of like, hmm. is there a difference between like filmmaking in Atlanta versus Grand Pennsylvania? You know, you can talk um, to like your yeah. experience that or if you <laughs> want to touch on projects you worked on there. Yeah, I mean, I can give you a little bit on that. Um, yeah, I mean, coming from the North, moving to the South, there's always a little bit of a, oh, okay, you guys say that instead of this. <laughs> or, you know, you know, I, I might mention pierogies and somebody would be like, what, what is that? I'm like, uh, I, I'll try to explain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, as far as like the filmmaking in, in general, um, I mean, like coming from indie film in Scranton, going here to more like, uh, you know, higher budget things, um, yeah, there's a difference, but like on the on on the content level, on the crew level, um, you see a lot more diversity down here. Just because you know I'm I'm close to a big city, we we have a lot more diverse people. It's the South, so there's a lot more diverse stories being told here, um, and diverse crews, which is wonderful. I love working with all different people and getting all these different viewpoints together. Um, that's been a wonderful thing. Um, I don't know what else. What else could I touch on there? Um, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to compare like indie film to like 
bigger productions. <laughs> um, but, but I feel like at, at its heart, indie film is basically the same across the board. But <laughs> um, there is a difference between New York productions and Atlanta productions because we've had a couple of New York crews come down here. I've worked with New York New York crews up in Scranton and up in Wayne County. Um, and there's a there's a you feel a difference. There's but it's it's very hard to put into words. <laughs> no, um, and, yeah. But the cultural uh, diversity that that's major because that that really does um, put in what style of films, commercials, or anything that will be made, you know, as well. So definitely the variety of that, and it kind of brings me to I, I have just two more questions. So, but this one right here is going to be. Like, what was your biggest obstacle or what has been your biggest obstacle that you had to overcome while being a DP? You know, mm. maybe it couldn't even be technical. I mean, maybe learning a specific camera mm. or, you know, like you said, sometimes you have to really be, you know, on the fly, think creatively, uh, but maybe just something else. Well, I'll give you from two different angles. Um, I'll give you from just finding jobs to doing the job. So starting with just finding jobs, like, I mean, I moved here with lots of schooling, a, a fair chunk of experience, um, but it took me several months of networking and really reaching out to people and like building a network before I started working on anything. Um, and even then I was still doing a little bit of uh, work for the newspaper back home. So I was supplementing my income, but like, I wasn't like really on my feet for like, few few months you need to come you know you need to if you're gonna move for this kind of industry come with some savings be ready to live on that for a bit so like that's a big challenge but like essentially anyone in my position is a freelancer you know we're going from job to job your your next job is not guaranteed um currently i'm working on a reality show but once that's done i don't know what i'm working on next something will come up but like it could be it could be days between the next job it could be weeks Um, it could be a Netflix binge marathon. You don't know. So that's the, the not knowing when you're going to work next, especially when it gets to like the winter time, Christmas time, January, when it really grinds to a halt. That's hard. That's hard to deal with, but you learn to be very fiscally savvy. Um, and then the, the other thing was like, we touched on it, being able to think on your feet, being able to like move fast, efficiently, safely, Um, finding that speed at which you need to work and think in order to get the job done is very important because you see people get weeded out really fast if they don't do a job quickly, well, listen to instructions. Um, so just getting into that mindset of, okay, okay, we're at work. We got to do the thing. <laughs> I mean, I, there's a better way to put that. I know, but um, it, it's just like you see the people with the work ethic and the ability to get into that mind frame, and they're the ones who keep working, who keep getting jobs. So I think that's valid. <laughs> no, and 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 I think you touched on the next question that uh, I always do. If we don't have any more, any more uh, questions, okay, perfect. But I'm sure they'll come on. Uh, and we can uh, email you uh, if there's any more questions. But the last one is that I always ask a filmmaker uh, and anyone that's a guest on Scranton Talks is what advice would you give to an up-and-coming filmmaker or creative artist uh, looking to get into the industry, which you really already talked uh, you know, a lot about it just in the, in the last question. But if there's anything maybe that you want to tell that person that is looking Maybe they're struggling just a bit. Maybe they moved to New York or they moved to Atlanta and they're like, not sure, you know, 
how they're gonna you know do it you know creatively like what they're gonna work on next or maybe mm-hmm. someone who hasn't even started schooling for filmmaking or is learning stuff um anything that you can think of <laughs> okay yeah no problem uh, the advice portion is always good because i feel like everybody's going to give different advice maybe some you know different variations on the same theme um obviously i talked about the difficulty of you really got to put yourself out there to find the jobs and eventually eventually get to the point where people just recommend you for jobs and you, you start working more provided you're good at your job <laughs> um unfortunately the old adage it's not what you know it's who you know it's still very appropriate here. Um, but I wouldn't have started working on anything without knowing something, without having a good personality and a good attitude and a work ethic. Um, having a tough skin, like, that's a thing. Um, you need to be able to take criticism. Sometimes it's constructive. Sometimes it's not. Um, and be able to handle, like, handle, like, bad attitudes or you know someone asking you to do something you know and they're being snippy about it Uh, having a tough skin is really kind of important (laughs) Um, but the other thing i wanted to mention um without going on too long but like i think it's worth mentioning yeah um there's tons of people who want to work in the film industry in whatever capacity it is if you want to be a camera operator boom operator, producer, whatever. There's a lot of people in line behind you, next to you, at the same time, vying for that position. So what are you going to do that's going to separate you from the pack? Like, how are you going to be the one that keeps getting called? So always leveling up your skills, learning new technologies if it's appropriate for a thing, um, reading, reading the trade magazines like learning what new cameras are coming out what's the new technology how are we doing this how did somebody make their indie indie film for three hundred dollars you know being that person who's constantly learning and constantly leveling up your game and doing little practice shoots to test you know lighting let's test the special effect let's you know that will separate you because your skills are going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Whereas the person is just sitting around waiting for someone to give them a handout. It's going to not get that far and they're going to find work in another position in another career path. Oh yeah. You couldn't have said it better for, for real. That, that basically sums up everything that we're trying to do here. Uh, and everything that, you know, I've learned personally and I'm sure that's already yeah. has, uh, and we're still learning, you know, I think, it's a you know it is very creative but you have to like you said you have to have you know thick skin you have to be able to take criticism and um and and that was that was great that was great advice and i'm gonna take it you know i'm sure definitely gonna take it and i know i've come to like many instances of like bridget and i worked on a short film for the mystery box film challenge like yeah (laughs) <laughs> like, okay, we know who we're not calling anymore. <laughs> That's a big thing. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, Desiree and I, I mean, I, I honestly, just to mention that. that story, like, I just, just briefly, like, Desiree and I, you know, we wanted to collaborate together. It was a few years ago on the Mystery Box um, Challenge. We, we were collaborative right away. We started writing our script. We got this, we got all these plans together. And the night before our shoot, our actor who was coming out of Philly, no names mentioned, mostly because I can't remember his name. Um, he messaged us saying, oh, that's too far a drive. I'm not coming. Okay, I thought you were a professional. Not saying anything days before, but this is like right before 
It was like it was like eight or nine o'clock at night. Desiree and I like pre-lit her house to be able to like quickly go into the shoot to the next day because we had like two locations, so we wanted to keep things moving. We reached out to every indie filmmaker we knew in the area, and they knocked it out of the park. We found someone who was amazing. We found Joe, um, and we we just we got a great little team together, and it was. Much in part because of collaboration, because of networking with people we already knew, other creatives in the area. Yeah, Yeah. everyone had such a fun time and things like that. And but it's just like with that, not to like call people out for things like that with that actor in particular. It's like I would not call that actor again, even though this is like voluntary. They're not doing this for money. Right out of the kindness of their heart, and it's it's okay if you have something come up like if you let us know right away a couple of days in advance and that's completely fine but not mm-hmm. the day before it's like oh it's too far to drive i don't have enough time to prepare i have to get up such and such a time that's yeah. a lot of excuses that we don't really need to hear <laughs> yeah honestly like if you're a professional you've, you've already mapped out how long it's going to take you to drive when you need to get up what you need to bring uh if you're an extra in a movie you're going to bring three clothing options you know you're you're prepared in advance when you are a professional and to our actress who was also from philadelphia who she came, came from philly too and she was amazing and we're still facebook friends with her yeah, so, he's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's um, very, yeah. very good advice. Um, and 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 again, we thank you for being here. I know Desiree is going to um, wrap it up because uh, we don't have a lot of time. But I mean, again, everything that you have said makes sense. You know, yeah, uh, and it is, and it, and it hits home. Uh, and I think it's, it's it's hitting people out there. And, and, and I'm very happy that, you know, you were able to do that uh, for us. Um, but I'll have Desiree wrap up and, um, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So like, thank you everyone for coming to our Scranton Talks tonight with Bridget LaMonica. Uh, we have wonderful more talks coming up in the future. We do our talks once a month. Um, they'll live on Facebook or on Electric State Television for our wonderful partners. And we do have a podcast where these interviews come up and some special episodes. So if you go on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, these interviews will be there um, a little late because uh, we upload them once a month. And be sure to stay up to date on our Facebook and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel to see any of the previous talks as well. And the Independent Creative Hub is here for you and it's geared for you to help filmmakers reach their potential in becoming successful creative artists. Be sure to visit our website, artcreativehub.com. And join the directory, and it's completely free to sign up. There are people on there already that you can find if you need help with anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thank you again uh, for joining us. Uh, I mean, and to all those filmmakers out there, if you're looking to share your story, just like Bridget, I mean, we want to hear from you. Uh, we want to make sure that your story gets told because you never know if you're going to change someone's life, right? Uh, and just by giving a little bit of advice, yeah, I think I Bridget. You were amazing, and I think uh, you know a lot of people will benefit from this talk. So we are, you know, so we were we're so happy that you were able to join us tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I really appreciate everything you two have been doing. I, like I see all your posts and things. Uh, you're really <laughs> bolstering the creative community. I love it. Yes, we're gonna make the party from Atlanta to Scranton, so everyone comes back. <laughs> right, we have to hire uh, Bridget for our uh, dual for citizenship. <laughs> you can. <laughs> You definitely can. But, uh, well, thank you again. Uh, I'm going to leave you, uh, leave everyone for, with the graphic of Desiree, uh, Desiree, 
uh, Bridget's, <laughs> Bridget's uh, information. So if you want to see her website, see her demo reel, stay up to date on what she has, uh, she's doing, uh, you'll be able to see that there. But again, thank you again, and, and everyone have a good night. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to our episode of our Scranton Talks podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Be sure to catch our next episode where Luce and I sat down with actor, writer, director, and filmmaker Tara Godomsky. Tara is a 2019 Sundance Night Fellow. She's a filmmaker, actor, and journalist. In 2017, she was invited to the Sundance Institute Screenwriting Intensive in Philadelphia with her feature-length screenplay, Mother Mary. This led to the 2019 Sundance Night Fellowship. So it was a wonderful conversation. I hope you can tune in for that. And be sure to follow the Independent Film Creative Hub on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date to all the happenings that we have going on. And be sure to subscribe to our Independent Film Creative Hub YouTube channel where all our live interviews that are on the podcast go live stream on our YouTube channel if you can catch one of our live talks or if you want to catch some of the videos that we've done in the past. They're all on our YouTube channel if you wanted to take a look back at some of the interviews we've done so far. And also be sure to go to our website, www.ourcreativehub.com, where it's free to sign up and it's all there for you. We have a directory for local crew and cast. If you need any help, we're always here. And if you are interested in being on one of our Scranton Talks interviews, you can be a filmmaker, actor, anyone in any department that's film-related, artist-related, if you're interested in being on one of our Scranton Talks interviews, be sure to send us a direct message on our Facebook page or Instagram. And we'll be sure to get in touch with you on the best date and time where we could put you in. We usually do our talks once a month during a weekday night, usually around 7.15 p.m. Eastern time. But we'll work with your schedule. If you're interested, feel free to message us on Facebook or Instagram and let us know. We can interview actors, screenwriters, directors, cinematographers, like anyone in the industry, in any department. <laughs> so feel free to message us and be sure to tell all your friends about our Scran Talks podcast. See you next time.